Lord, we know that where your presence is, there's power. Where your spirit moves, healing comes. Where your spirit moves, chains are broken. Where your spirit moves, a generation can be set on fire for you. Where your spirit moves, people find freedom. Father, we stand here this morning and we declare, Spirit, move. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, have your way in the generations of New Zealand. Lord, have your way in the generations of this earth. Because we know your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion will endure throughout all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can take a seat. It's good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. How good is our youth band? Woo! These guys are amazing. They lead us in worship every time we're together at youth, and it's just so awesome to have them leading us this morning. I do want to put a little plug in for them, though, um, because they are desperately in need of a drummer. So if you have a teenager, or if your teenager is friends with a teenager who can play the drums, can you please get them in touch with us? Or we need to start saving some drummers, um, because we're, we're in need of them. But these guys are amazing, and I do just want to take a quick second to honor Jess Tull. Where is she this morning? Jess, is our, Jess leads our youth band. Jess is in charge of our youth band. She leads them. She does an amazing job. And she was going to be leading this morning, but due to some unfortunate tooth situation, she wasn't able to. But Jess, thank you so much for the amazing work. I think everyone's able to see the caliber that they can perform to and lead us in worship. And that's a huge testament to you. So thank you so much. Awesome. So welcome to our Next Generation service. I love this service. I, I love what it means, what it represents, that we're not just a church with one generation. We're not just a church with one age bracket, but we have multiple generations here with us. We have multiple generations, not just in our church, we have multiple generations in our leadership team, multiple generations um, on our volunteers and all throughout it. And I love that we can come and celebrate that. And I was reflecting over our next gen service from last year in preparation for this morning. I was going over last year, and you might remember, if you have a good memory, that I started off last year by saying sort of asking, you know, who, who even is the next generation? Who's the next generation? Because to many of you, you might look at me and go, well, he's the next generation, but then I can look at our youth and say, oh, well, no, they're the next generation, and they, but they can also look at kids coming up underneath them and go, no, well, they're the next generation. Yeah. And since last year, I and I have a son of my own. So I'm feeling even less like the next generation. Now that I've got him growing up, I feel a little bit like I'm 24 going on 40. Nothing wrong with 40. <laughs> but who even is the next generation? But I like that because it's not about one generation giving something to another. It's not about one generation giving and another generation receiving. It's about all the generations working together in unity. All the generations working together in unity. It's about mentoring. It's about fathering, about mothering, about serving. 
about coming alongside whoever's around you and imparting what you have into their life. Regardless of what generation you fall into, there are people around you who are looking up to you, people around you who need your investment, people around you that you have influence with. Who do you have around you that's speaking into your life? Who do you have around you that's investing in your life? And who do you have around you that you are investing in? And this morning, I want to have a look at one of my favorite leadership stories in the Bible, one of my favorite intergenerational leadership stories. I've learned so much from this myself. It's found in 1 Samuel, right at the start of the book. These chapters tell us about Samuel the prophet. Samuel was the prophet who went on to anoint the first two kings of Israel, first Saul and then David. And so we start the book with Samuel's mother, Hannah, who was having trouble conceiving a child. She was having difficulty having kids with her husband. So one time during the annual trip to the tabernacle, they as a family, they would travel to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place where God's presence dwelt and sacrifices would be made to atone for sin and things like that. And so they would annually travel there to present sacrifices. And on one of these trips, she decides that she's desperate enough to call out to God. She's desperate enough to see her situation change. So she prays this prayer while she's at the tabernacle. She says, Lord Almighty, If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. All the days of his life. Hannah prays this prayer. She sits before the tabernacle. She cries out to God, Lord, please give me a son. And then she leaves and returns home. And God hears her prayer. And later she gives birth to a son who she names Samuel. And then when Samuel is old enough, she brings him back to the tabernacle where she prayed this prayer. She brings him back and she presents him to the priest who oversees that. His name was Eli. She presents him to Eli the priest and she says, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to God, and she worships the Lord there. Before we carry on, can we take a moment to appreciate the faith of Samuel's mother in that moment? This was her miracle baby. She hadn't been able to conceive children, and so she prays this prayer. She makes a promise before God, and now she honors it. She gives her miracle child back over to God, I, I can only imagine that after having years of unsuccessful attempts, how much she would have loved that child, how much she would have held him in her arms as he was a baby. And now she has to give her firstborn over to go and serve God. And this hits home for me because I've only just learned what it means to be a father. I've only just experienced that for myself and I cannot even begin to describe the level of faith that would take me to do something like that the level of faith it would take me to hand over my son before I was ready so that he could go and serve the Lord. It would be like me taking Levi when he's five years old and turning up here and giving him to Carl and Ange, going, here you go, guys. He's gonna live here at Levita now. He's gonna vacuum the floors. He's gonna get it ready for church every week. I'll see him once a week when I'm here at a service, but that's it. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been for her. But as crazy as that sounds, it's actually not far from the reality that we face. 
Because you see, from the moment that Hannah became pregnant, from the moment she conceived Samuel, she would have remembered the promise that she made before God. She would have remembered the promise. And so from the moment he was conceived, she would know, she knew that one day I'm going to have to give him up. One day I'm going to have to let him go. One day he's going to have to leave me and go and serve God. So I can imagine she would have spent every moment she could teaching Samuel the things of God, reading the scriptures to him, praying with him, teaching him what God has done in her life, telling him how much God loves him and, how, and teaching him to love God and love his house. She would groom her son to serve God, knowing that one day he would have to leave her. And so why we, while we might not have to give up our children in that same way, there will come a day where they have to leave us. There will come a day where they have to leave our house, where we have to let them go. There will come a day where I have to let Levi, my son, go when he leaves my house. And it is my desire that when he leaves my household, that he will go on to live a life that glorifies and honors God. That when he leaves my house, he will be fully in love with God, fully in love with his word, fully in love with his church and ready to go and serve him. And so I'm gonna do everything possible in my power while he is with me now to make sure he is equipped to do just that. So actually, we're all in Hannah's situation. Not just if we have biological children, but with all of those who are around us now. You don't have to have children of your own to be a father. You don't have to have, to have children of your own to be a mother. You don't have to be an adult to lead or mentor someone. And you don't have to be young to be mentored. But we as the church are responsible for raising the next generation. It's our role to do everything in our power so that one day when we have to let them go, one day when they are the ones in charge, one day when they are the ones leading, that they will be fully equipped to live lives that would glorify and honor God, that they will be fully equipped to serve him and do everything that he has called them to do. Let's carry on in our story. So Samuel's given over to Eli the priest to live with him, to minister at the tabernacle. And so I'm gonna read the rest of the story from 1 Samuel chapter three. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then he called, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Listen to his grandfatherly tone change now. My son... I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down and if he calls you again, say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. 
And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli came to him and asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide anything from me, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. I really love this story, so I want to work our way back through the text and pull some things out. The first thing that we see right at the beginning of the passage in verse 3, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. In other words, he was spending time in God's presence. He was spending time in God's presence. This is a challenge to me, challenge to every generation. When did we last spend time in God's presence on our own accord? Samuel went and lay down. He put himself in a position to spend time with God. When did we seek it out for ourselves? Take that time to read the word, to pray. And notice it was in God's presence that God spoke to Samuel. It was in his presence where God spoke. And so if you have things in your life that you need answers to, things that you're facing, challenges that you're going through, go to his presence. Don't just sit around waiting, sit around complaining, going, why is the situation not changing? Why am I not getting the answers I need? Get into his presence. Get into his presence because that's where his word will speak to you. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever your situation is, whatever storm you're in, make your dwelling place the presence of God. But notice that Samuel didn't actually recognize God's voice at first. I love the exchange that follows after this as they go back and forth. You know, wouldn't this be a frustrating situation? Samuel's had a long day. He's been hard at work. He's been cleaning the floors. He's been doing his jobs. And now it's getting late at night. He's finally ready to go to bed. He can put his feet up, probably lies down. He's just about to nod off. And then he hears, Samuel. He's like, oh, okay. Right, now I'm a good servant. So he runs upstairs to Eli. He says, right, Eli, I'm here. What can I do for you? And then Eli turns around confused. Well, I didn't call you. Go back downstairs. And I can see Samuel going back down. Oh, I was, swore I heard my name. I'm just pretty sure you called me, but oh, oh, well, maybe it was just the wind. I'll go back downstairs. And he gets back into bed, starts to nod off again. But then it happens a second time. He's like, okay, no, I definitely heard my name this time. This, this time I, I know it's for real. I'm going to go upstairs and see what Eli needs, and he runs upstairs and opens Eli's room and goes, right, what can I do for you? And now Eli's frustrated. He goes, Samuel, go back to bed. I didn't call you. And so now Samuel's feeling frustrated. I could see if Samuel was a, was a lesser man, he would leave going, oh, senile old man losing his marbles. He's forgetting, what he's, you know, he's calling me and forgetting about it. What is he even doing? But Samuel doesn't. He just goes quietly back to his room. You see, Samuel was willing to serve Eli even when it was inconvenient, even when it was frustrating, even when it didn't make sense. Samuel knew that by being under authority was his best way to then gain authority. 
And Samuel went on to become one of the most famous and influential prophets, but he was only able to get there because he was willing to serve. He was only able to get there because he was willing to serve. He served humbly for years before ever gaining anything. You know, the further you go on in life, the higher up you want to get, the more influence you want to have, the more impact you want to make, the more willing you need to be to serve and sit under authority. I've heard it said that if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. You know, and the world's trying to pull down the idea of authority, trying to tear down the concept of hierarchy and authority, make it a bad thing. But we're all under authority in Jesus. We're all under authority. He has designed it that way. And authority is one of God's methods for teaching and training us, for equipping us, preparing us for what he has. God is the one who gives and takes authority. And so the more you can serve, the more you'll find God will open doors in your life. Later on, we read about what God says to Samuel. It's a sobering word, how he tells him about Eli's guilt, the punishment that he's going to bring upon him and his family. That would be a sobering thing to hear, but notice it doesn't stop Samuel from serving him. He continued to serve him, even though he knew Eli's faults. He knew the flaws that Eli had. Samuel was willing to serve even when it was inconvenient and frustrating, even when his leader was imperfect, because he knew that by serving Eli, he was actually serving God. And it's probably safe to assume that Eli was well aware of Eli's faults before God having, even having to speak to him. He would have spent 24 hours a day with this man. Eli's sons didn't have the best reputation in the town. And so I don't think Samuel needed a word from God to know that there are some things that he probably would have liked to do differently. Things that he didn't like about Eli. He knew his faults and his failings. But instead of just throwing in the towel, Instead of just throwing in the towel and pointing the finger going, well, no, I don't like the way you do this thing. I'm not going to serve you because you've got flaws. I don't like the way you run things around here. Instead, he stays and he serves, and that place would have been better off because of it. Samuel knew the best place to bring influence was from the inside, by sitting and serving. You know, you're never going to serve a perfect leader. You're going to serve a perfect boss perfect manager, perfect parents. I'm never going to be a perfect leader. I'm never going to be a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect husband, despite what Anna might say. I'm not a perfect pastor, a brother. But aren't we thankful that God still uses imperfect people? that he still uses imperfect people. And it was that imperfect person that unlocked something huge in Samuel's life. Read what it says. Then Eli realized it was the Lord calling the boy. Eli realized the Lord calling the boy. What, that imperfect leader? Yes, that imperfect leader realized that God was speaking, not Samuel. Eli saw that God was moving in Samuel's life. He saw the future that God was beginning to develop in him. He saw the potential on Samuel's life, and he was able to teach him and guide him and help him understand how to hear 
God's voice, which would be the defining factor of Samuel's life. Samuel would go on to be a prophet whose very job description was to hear the voice of God, yet when he spoke to him for the first time, he couldn't distinguish it. It took someone to come alongside him and help him unlock that. You know, he could have rejected Eli's advice. He could have rejected his advice, going, no, 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 why are you telling me what to do? You've got your own faults. You've got your own flaws. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. He could have rejected Eli, and he would have missed a crucial moment in his life, possibly even missed God's calling or delayed it further. Because Samuel was willing to serve, Eli was able to empower. Through their relationship, Eli was able to empower Samuel to go on to all that God had called him to be. And that's what it comes down to, relationship. When we talk about generational unity, about being a multi-generational church, it's about relationships. Notice Eli calls him my son. My son, I love that. Eli's been taken away from his parents but he has someone who can be a father figure to him, someone who can come alongside him, call him his son. Eli builds a relationship with him, and that relationship is key to Samuel's future. You know, for me growing up, coming to church on Sunday wasn't an option. We were going. Going to youth group wasn't an option. Often I just wanted to stay home and play PlayStation or watch movies I was always really jealous because I had friends who didn't go to church and they got to watch the Sunday morning cartoons, which were the best cartoons. And I always missed them because I was at church. But my parents said, no, you're going to church. You're going to youth group. Because it wasn't about what my preference was. It was about what my potential was. My parents said, no, you're going to those things because you need to be in an environment where those relationships can happen. You need to be at youth groups so you can have leaders who can invest and empower and encourage you, who can love you and build you up. You're gonna go to church on a Sunday morning because you need to know what it is to worship God, to gather together with believers and lift his name, put him first in your life, and you're gonna learn that from a young age. And in fact, there's a whole generation of kids coming up behind you, so you're gonna serve in the kids' team, and you're gonna learn what it is to invest in them and empower them and raise them up. Did I always enjoy it? No. Did I always like it or want it? No. Did I benefit from it? Yes. And am I, would I be standing here without it? Probably not. Because it gave me relationships where people were able to speak into my life. People were able to invest in me, challenge me, empower me, make me a better person. And that's how the kingdom works. It expands through those relationships. And you know, nowadays, there are a hundred times more options for people to choose from than I had when I was growing up. There are so many more options out there fighting for our preference. So many more things that our young people can choose from instead of coming to church or going to youth group. And it'd be easy to think, well, why would I bother? Why would I bother going to church? Why would I bother going to the next generation service? I could sit at home and watch Brian Houston on YouTube. I could watch Judas Smith, listen to him on a podcast. He's a better preacher than Jono anyway. Why would I bother? Why would I go to youth on a Tuesday night or a Friday night when I can sit home and play Fortnite? Or I can sit in my room and watch Netflix? Why bother? Because I'll admit those would be some of my preferences too. 
It's a lot nicer than instead of going out on a cold night when it's negative three degrees, I can sit in my bed and watch movies. I'd rather that. But none of these options can ever provide those relationships we're talking about. None of those options have the potential to speak life into your life. None of those options have the potential to unlock keys to your future. None of those options can provide you with places for you to be challenged, for you to be empowered. Can I encourage you, make those things a priority. Coming to church on a Sunday morning, going to youth group, going to life kids, attending a life group, coming to young adults hangouts on a Sunday evening, regardless of what our preference is, these are the environments available to us, not just so that we can be empowered, but we can empower and encourage others. Because you might be the key to unlocking something significant in someone else's life. Your relationship with someone, you don't know the Samuels that you have around you. And it might be through your relationship with them that they unlock something significant and huge for their future. We need these relationships. And we need more of them. We're excited that next term, as a combined effort between youth and kids, we're going to be launching an intermediates program. We're going to be launching an intermediates program, and there'll be more information about it in the coming weeks. But the heart of it is, is that we need another place to create these relationships. Another space where we can facilitate these kinds of relationships, a space for our intermediates, for intermediates in the local community to come and find people who can invest in them, people who can come alongside them and call them my son, my daughter, a place where they can come and find love, find hope, find belonging. But this can only happen in a multi-generational environment. This can only happen because we are a multi-generational church where the generations are united, working together to see his kingdom expand. So Samuel, are you willing to serve? Are you willing to sit under authority, even when it's hard, even when it's frustrating, even when you'd probably like to do things differently? And Eli, will you empower? Will you look for people around you to call my son, my daughter, Find those people who you can intentionally invest into, intentionally raise, intentionally take under your wing. Who are the Samuels in your life? And let's all have a Hannah mindset, that there are people in our life, people around us that we have relationship with, who we can encourage, equip, and empower because we know one day they're going to have to go on and serve God. And we want them to be able to do it to the absolute best of their, best of their ability Let's not let our preference limit our potential or the potential of our young people because I believe God is raising up a next generation not to replace the current one or to take over but to build on what's been laid. To take what has been sown from years of investment and carry the kingdom forward. And I want them to be able to look back and go, I had an Eli who called me my son, who called me my daughter, an Eli who was able to speak into my life, an Eli who was able to teach me how to hear God's voice, discern his voice for myself. And I wouldn't be here today without Eli. So thank you, Life Church. Thank you for being a multi-generational church. 
Thank you for being a church that does empower the next generation. The fact that I'm up here says that. For being a church that champions them on. Thank you for continuing to love them, to pray for them, to give them chances to lead and serve. Because of that, I believe we're going to see the kingdom expand in a greater way than we ever have before. As the next generation takes what has been laid and sown and builds upon it. But it only happens because we can have unity. Because we invest in each other, we love each other, encourage and speak life. So thank you for the work that everyone's doing already for the people who are praying for our young people, who are investing in them. Thank you for it. Thank you to our youth leaders, our kids leaders, our parents, everyone who has a role with young people. Because that's just it. It's not one generation just giving and another receiving. It's all of us working together, playing our part. 